friend. I hope you're having an amazing day. I appreciate you tuning into this episode of Balanced Black Girl. My name is Les. I'm your host, and things are currently heating up in our Black Women in Business series. This series is focused on conversations that lie at the intersection of wellness and business with Black women entrepreneurs and business leaders. It's like a Balanced Black Girl B-School, if you will. Last week, we talked about the business of content creation, and this week, we're focusing more on what it looks like to bring physical products into the world and bootstrapping a startup in a whole new space. Now, as someone who's only ever really focused on digital offerings, I have so much respect for anyone who brings a physical product into the world. That takes the complexity of entrepreneurship to a whole different level and is so admirable. I'm joined today by my friend Anicia Anya, the founder, chef, and CEO of New York City's only meal delivery service for kids called Kids Table, which she launched in 2021. Anicia has had the most unique and incredible career trajectory I've ever heard. We get into the details of it in this episode, and she culminated the experiences from her diverse professional background to launch this incredible brand. Just last month, she did her first collaboration with another brand to bring frozen meal offerings to kids' table, expanding distribution to more areas in the Northeast, and it sold out in a couple days, which is amazing and has really positioned her and the brand to do amazing things. Her journey has certainly not been easy. It continues to not be easy, but her realness, her optimism, and her willingness to go for it is something I respect and admire so much. And this conversation is beyond inspiring. So let's get into our convo with Anicia. Anicia, hi friend. Welcome to Balance Black Girl. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, so for those who don't know, which actually I don't know why anyone who listens like would know this, but I've literally talked to you more than I talk to most people because <laughs> I feel like every day I'm DMing you. <laughs> Yes. About, so like, we just chat yeah, it up yeah. every day. <laughs> yes, everything. Pop culture, food, business, podcast, right. all of it. All of it. So that makes me even more excited to to have you come on the show. Backstory for everybody listening. Anicia and I actually met three years ago when I was in New York. Yeah. I was at the Wholehearted Women Retreat hosted by Sharin, who's a friend of the podcast. Sharin's been on the podcast a couple of times. And I kept getting in trouble at the retreat because Anicia was our chef for the event. And I kept like not participating in the retreat and just hanging out in the kitchen, talking to Anicia (laughs) the whole time. (laughs) Sharin had to keep yelling at me to like, Les, come downstairs. Like, Les. She's like, "Um, we have another activity. We're on a schedule. She's like, you paid to be here and you're just not participating. (laughs) (laughs) So we go way back. So we go way back. I mean, when when you know, you know. When you hit it off, you hit it off, you know? Yes. It was such a fun time. It's so funny because every time I do a wholehearted retreat now, I always think of you. (laughs) Um, And I'm like, who's going to be there? Is Les going to be there? And she's like, girl, Les is not coming in town again. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, it's always such a fun time with Sharon and the ladies of Wholehearted Woman. And yeah, that was such a fun weekend. And it was kind of like, it wasn't the beginning of my career as a private chef, but kind of like the beginning of me doing more like retreats and more like intimate events outside of working for like retreat pools. So it was really, really fun time to like, just work with like-minded people and people who come from the same background as me. And it just made the whole situation just way more fun. I didn't realize that that was around the time when you had started working at those types of events, but I want to get more into like your career trajectory because it's just so interesting. And I think you are just such a good testament of like following your heart, following your path when you want to do something else, like doing something else. So let's talk about young Anicia, maybe like fresh out of college, beginning of career. What were you doing and what field did you enter? Yeah, so I worked in the tech industry as like a lot of people do when they are out of college. So I went into the, I moved to San Francisco and I worked for various different startups. Um, and my job was kind of like the employee morale manager, which 
is code for like making sure people have a lot of fucking fun at work. (laughs) So my job was planning budgets for happy hours, wellness events, figuring out how to get us more benefits um, to add to the benefits package to get more people to come. I think now I look back and I'm like, they basically were just like, how do we make people stay here as long as we can without going home like a normal person, (laughs) Um, um, which is like hilarious. But we were just young, like we were young. And, you know, the tech industry is just a lot of very young people, very people like people who are new to their careers. So it was a lot of planning events, planning happy hours, creating budgets, meeting with all the different teams, operations and finance included, and also like our content teams and media teams to create this like employee morale in the companies. Um, so I started working for like software companies and I went into a sports media company called Bleacher Report. And Bleacher Report was kind of my last stint in the, in the tech world. I think I, I loved working in tech. It was fun. I mean, like you're 22, 23, 24, and you're like going to happy hours during the workday and you like have a full salary. It's like, what is life? Um, But I think, you know, as time went on, I just saw the lack of diversity and inclusion in the industry and just, you know, I would look around offices and I would be like, okay, there's no woman in management, let alone a black woman. And I just didn't really see a future for me there. And just also like just so much racism and sexism goes on in the tech industry. And I think it just came to a point where I was like, okay, like dealing with racism for a glass of rosé at a Tuesday morning meeting is not not worth it. It's not it. It's not it. Getting a free Equinox membership, but like my boss is super sexist. Not it. So (laughs) I decided to leave the tech industry, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I wanted to go into the wellness world and maybe like do fitness and nutrition coaching, but I still like wasn't sure. So I had my job move me to New York because I always wanted to live in New York. So my job moved me to New York and then I left. And then I started to embark on this journey of becoming like a wellness coach. But obviously, like during that time, I wasn't making any money. So a friend of mine was like, hey, like you should be, she was a high profile nanny in New York City. She worked for a very big actor in his family. And she was like, you could do this. Like, it's basically like what you were doing in the tech world. But instead of like making sure employees have fun and like have this great life at work, you can make sure kids like have this great life in New York City with this insane budget and you're managing the budgets and the after school programs and like taking them to doctor's appointments and things like that. And she's like, I think you could do this. And I was like, okay. So I go to an agency and I apply for a job and they hire me on the spot and they're like, we would love to place you. And that was just kind of a very whirlwind experience, I think. Yeah. Because it just happened so fast. And I was like, what, what am I doing? I'm now like a celebrity nanny. Like what, <laughs> like, what is happening? But the salary was comparable to like working in tech. And so that was another thing that I was shocked by. I was like, wait, like I'm making the same as I was in tech, if not more. And I get to just like be with this person's kid, like, and take care of them and take them to school, get them dressed, do their homework, cook for them, clean for them, bathe them, like, basically all of the things, which is a lot of work. Yeah. But I was like, this doesn't seem real. But it was, and it is. And so I did that for several years. And I think I started to do that in the hopes of like, oh, I would just do this as like something part-time to like get me to my next career stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, that was the career. <laughs> like <laughs> that, that was the career. Um, and so I did that for almost five years. For five years, I worked with dozens of families all over New York City. I traveled with kids. We explored. We ate things. We reached new developments. Like we did so, so much. And I think I got wellness certifications and I started doing wellness coaching on the side and doing fitness things. Um, And I still have my full-time nanny job. Then the whole private chef thing happened. That kind of just like fell into my lap. I never in a million years thought I would be a chef. I never thought I would 
be a cook, like none of those things. I've always loved cooking. I've loved nutrition, but it wasn't until I was working for families who had chefs. And so sometimes these chefs would like take off work or they'd be on vacation and I would fill in. Mm -hmm. And I remember one year I was working for a family. This is like a very big actress. She, her chef was like, he broke his wrist and he had to like take off for Thanksgiving dinner. And she was like, I need you to cook Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, wait, first meal, Thanksgiving dinner of all meals, <laughs> not of a casual all, dinner. Like of all meals. And I was like, what? Like, oh there's gosh. no way I can, like, what? Like, this is some like Michelin star chef, this like private chef, this guy, he's from France. He studied culinary for many years. He'd been working for so many different families and like big catering companies and big five-star restaurants all over New York City. And I'm supposed to create a Thanksgiving dinner that's, gonna replace his like crazy his name is Sebastian so I call Sebastian I'm like okay Sebastian like what do I do and he gives me all these different steps of things to do and like luckily I as a nanny I was responsible for grocery shopping for the family um and so I was constantly in like all these markets in New York City. So I was in like Chelsea Market. I was in Italy. So I was kind of familiar with like the ingredients he was working with and like how he was shopping but still not to the point where I was making a full Thanksgiving dinner for 15 people. Yeah. So I did the dinner. (laughs) I did the dinner and it worked out great. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I could do this. Yeah. Like, I could do this. And I think, like, that's kind of my toxic trait. My, like, toxic trait (laughs) is, like, thinking that I can do anything. (laughs) But I was like, I could do this. You know, it's kind of like when you go to a new city and you're like, I live here optimism yes so I yeah I remember thinking like I could do this how do I do this and so for like the next six months I was just watching the chefs of families that I worked for and like helping them and assisting them and then I reached out to Sophia Rowe who many of you who are listening right now we love 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 Sophia I sent Sophia Rowe a DM and I was like hey I know that you used to be a private chef in New York City I kind of want to be a private chef and I really love your work and I love following you can you like tell me what to do and she I didn't think she was going to respond she responded right away And she was like, oh my God, let's have coffee. Let's have coffee right away. And we meet for coffee and she's like, okay, you need to go to this knife store. You need to, you know, go to these stores to get all your supplies. These are some schools that you can apply for programs at. These are agencies that you can apply to once you finish school. These are restaurants that you can stage in. And stage is called, it's like another term for uh, interning. Mm -hmm. Um, So she's like, these are places you can stage in. And so I was like, okay. We had coffee, we talked. And I left and I went back to my nanny job and I was like, okay, we're going to do this. So I, over the weekend, I like applied for a culinary program. I like went all over New York City to like Japanese knife shops and all these supply shops. And I just like got to work. It was, it's just crazy for me to like think about that now. Like, again, things just happen so fast. (laughs) And like, I'm just a firm believer in just like, making a decision and trusting the process. Just trust the process instead of sitting and pondering and overthinking and doubting yourself and going through the motions of imposter syndrome that doesn't serve you. So just make the decision, do the thing, and you'll figure it out later. And that's just, that's kind of what I did. And so I finished my culinary program and I reached back out to the agencies that were staffing me for nanny jobs. And I was like, hey, I'm not a nanny anymore. I'm a chef. Yes. And they were like, okay. And that is kind of how I became a private chef. <laughs> that story is like even better. I, I knew the like Cliff Notes version of that story, but hearing the full version is even better than I could have imagined. I feel like you are the epitome of what Sharin refers to as aligned action. Have you ever heard Sharin yeah. talk about the aligned action to like make, you know, the manifestations happen? Yeah. Your story that you just shared was truly a testimony in aligned action. Like yes. Just yes. seeing the thing that you want and just taking steps to make it happen and, and making yeah. it come true. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think even just speaking about like, well, on touching on wellness, I, there was a point in my nanny career where I was kind of like, I wanted a sense of like work-life balance and I wanted to be able to have more of a routine. And I think I wanted to be able to create wealth and create a career that could expand beyond someone's like household. And, you know, when I was thinking about culinary school, like I was checking all those boxes and I was like, it just made sense to me. And I was like, this is so aligned. Like, this is so, so aligned. And it just, it makes sense. And it's very crazy to think about. Um, I think now I look back and I'm like, girl, what was wrong with you? Like, <laughs> crazy. Like, but I think, you know, when you're so young and you don't have the responsibility of like having your own kids or having a spouse or a partner, there's kind of this sense of freedom. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of this, this space where you kind of axe the five-year plan because there is no five-year plan. And you just start to create a one-year plan or a six-month plan or a two-week plan. Um, Today plan. (laughs) Today plan and you figure it out. And yeah, I just, if anyone is like going through a like career change right now, or just like thinking about it, like that's kind of my biggest advice is to just like stop thinking about this like long, long-term plan and just think about what you want to do today or tomorrow or next week and how you envision your life in the next couple months versus 10 years from now. Because I think even looking back in my career, like in tech, like I thought I was going to work in tech my whole life. Mm-hmm. I remember like applying for their jobs in tech and like crying and being devastated and being like, I'll never be a management of HR or marketing, or I'll never like move to this big company or I'll never like move up in the tech world. And now I'm like, I didn't even want that. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's very, very much so crazy. Yeah. And almost a blessing that you didn't get to that point, because I do think the further you get down a path, even if it's not for you, the harder it is to make those pivots. If you get to a point where you aren't a manager and you have this responsibility or you're making a certain amount in a particular trajectory, you can always change. You can always do something different, but it also can be a lot harder when you feel like you have more to lose. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And the other thing is to like, you know, if you have a side hustle to just like lean into those Mm Because that, like, being a nanny was kind of my side hustle, and I never thought it was going to be a full-time job. And here I was, like, working for these crazy celebrities and, like, big CEOs and high-profile people and, like, taking care of their kids and, like, hiding their kids from the public. Yeah. (laughs) And just, like, managing the day-to-day life and the finances and the, like, school programming and all of that. You know, there's oftentimes when you're doing side hustles and you're like, oh, this is just going to be a little side thing. And you never know. You really, really never know what these things can become. And yeah, it's it's crazy that my plan at the time was to do that for one year and it was five years. Yeah. And it brought me to the next thing. It brought me to the private chef world and it brought me to kids table and it just kind of brings you along. And I'm like, wow, this is something I thought would be like a little part-time thing. Right. And it sounds like all of your experiences have really compounded on one another. Like a lot of what you've done, even though it's it's different roles and different paths, they do align in terms of, you know, it sounds like when you started off in tech, you were doing that kind of coordinator role where you're working with so many stakeholders all at once yeah. and coordinating so many things, which I'm sure that skill set that you gained is so helpful for your own business. Or when you're yeah. working for these families and you're managing the budget and the schedules and the logistics of their family. Like that's so helpful for running your own business. Yes, exactly. It's so, so helpful. And so I'm, I always tell people to just trust the process and really, you know, lean into those mundane tasks that you think are dumb um, or like you, you shouldn't do them or you're above them. You're not. They will help you. Yeah. There's magic in the mundane. I'm a firm yes. believer of that. Yes. Because it's you can't lead if you don't understand the mundane. Exactly. Exactly. You need to have like an overall perspective and also kind of like the nitty gritty aspects of it. And I think running a business now, I look back and I'm I'm so, so, so thankful for those things. Because I think that is something that can set me aside from other entrepreneurs, like entrepreneurs who entered in in a leadership role or entered in with a lot of privilege and access there are days where in entrepreneurship where someone quits Mm -hmm. or, you know, you lose your freight packaging or, you know, 
it's a snowstorm or like, you know, you're dealing with supply chain issues and things like that. And it's because I, I had all of this experience that I'm able to quickly take care of those situations because um, I know exactly what to do. I've been in those people's jobs before in addition to running my company. Absolutely. This week's sponsor is my favorite mindfulness and meditation app, Open. Open is a digital mindfulness app combining breathwork, meditation, and movement, and it's my go-to app to help me get centered when I need to reconnect with my breath. Using Open has become one of my favorite daily rituals. Each morning, I do their daily meditation, which is usually between 5 to 10 minutes, and it always sets a beautiful tone for the day. Their meditations hit on key themes we all need support with, like overcoming fear of the unknown, embodying self-love, releasing expectations, and improving focus at work. It's the one thing I will gladly use my phone for in the morning. Open has also been keeping me on my yoga practice several days a week in between gym sessions. I'll log on to the app and do one of their yoga flows and they're so good. These aren't cookie cutter flows that you could get anywhere. Their teachers are always helping me expand my practice with creative flows, supportive breath work and encouragement along the way. And if you're someone who stays motivated being a part of a community, you will love Open. Each month, they host challenges, encouraging their community to take daily classes together, and you can invite friends and family to move, breathe, and meditate with you from within the app. I can't think of a better time to create a mindfulness habit, so join me on Open. Open is giving Balanced Black Girl listeners 30 days free when you visit open-together.com slash balanced. That's 30 days of unlimited meditation, breath work, yoga, and Pilates. You do not want to miss out on this offer. So again, you can join me on Open by going to open-together.com slash balanced. And did you ever have any moments? I mean, I'm thinking through, you know, those jobs are hard. (laughs) Nannying, and especially nannying for high-profile, high-strung families, hard. Culinary school, hard. Like, those are hard things to do. Did you ever have any moments where you were like, what have I done? (laughs) What did I get myself into? Yes, I think... You know, as a nanny, literally every day was hard. (laughs) Every day was so, so hard. And it's so funny because I get like, I get triggered when I see people's like comments on Mm. just like the internet uh, about like, oh, they just like watch kids or, you know, like. I'm sorry. Anybody who says they just watch kids has never watched kids because anybody who has knows that that's not a a small task. (laughs) It's not a small task at all. Like at. (laughs) all and I just I don't think people realize like working for these types of people like it's not normal like you're not living in a real world and so you're balancing like actually going home to your real world life and your friends and your family and like regular nuances and like regular things just like going to Target or going to the grocery store and I think that was a really hard part for me because like you live in this like glitz glamorous world and, and it's crazy. It's like chaos. And the other thing is like, there's no HR, like there's no human resources to protect you yeah. during these situations. So you're often, you're working long, crazy hours. You're working last minute. There's still a lot of sexism, racism, classism going on in these people's homes and there's no one to check them. Like, there's no one to say, like, "Mm, that's not okay. You can't do that to your staff member. You can't, you know, call your nanny at 9 p.m. and tell her that she needs to be there in 45 minutes because you want to go to have a drink with your friend. Like, that doesn't happen in a a real, like, a normal world. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, I think the hard part was, like, having to be in, like, fright or flight mode constantly. And then also having to be these people's, like, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth brain because that's literally what they're paying you for. And so there are mo- there were moments, you know, where like people didn't even know information about their children that I knew. Oh my gosh. I would have to make sure that I would have this information in case they asked. And I think, yeah, that was kind of the hard part. And I think just there's no break. There's no lunch break. There's no 15 minute break. There's no, let me just like, go outside for a walk. (laughs) Like there's none of that. You are on 24 seven. When you walk through that door, it doesn't matter if someone died in your family, if you're going through a breakup, if you 
got hit by a car on the way to work. Like when you walk through that door, you better be ready to work and you better be ready to answer to these people and do for what they're paying you to do. And I think that was like the really, really hard part, especially as a nanny, you know, in the mornings, like there were some mornings, you know, that were really tough and I would have to go in and be very theatrical. Like, oh my God, are you guys ready for school? Like, let's go. And I'm like, my grandma just died or like, you know, like I just went through a breakup or like I took a city bike to get here and a car like almost hit me and I thought I was going to die. Like, you know, these kinds of moments that those are probably like the hard, those were the hard, hard moments that you have to deal with when you have a normal job, you can call in sick or you can, you know, go for a walk outside. You can leave your desk for a coffee break and you just don't get that in the world of working for high profile people. And there are a lot of perks. Like there were a lot of perks, like a lot of things in my apartment are from, <laughs> from people that I worked for. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like the traveling and things like that, the money, like there are a lot of really good perks, but yeah, it's it's no joke. It's really, really no joke. And I often like think of like people who work for like the Kardashians or something. Oh my gosh, like, I can't even imagine. Yes. I mean, like I was working for celebrities and like big high profile people, but no one that is like that intense. intense. Yeah. So yeah, I think about that all the time because I'm like, that is so hard. Like That is just like a really, really hard job. And then, yeah, just as a nanny, like, you know, you're taking care of these kids and you spend more time with these kids than like they do with their parents. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the other hard part is you get attached. Yeah. You get attached or, you know, you're going through motions with these kids and you're trying to like counsel them, but you're yeah. not like a counselor for yeah. them. Yeah. And the other thing is like, you are immersed in these people's lives. So you are, you see it all. You see divorces, you see abuse, you see drug use, you see the ups and the downs. You see when they have good days, when they have bad days, you see when they're fighting, you see when they're not fighting and you see when they're like having troubles at work. And I think being immersed in that 24 seven is very hard. Oh yeah. Very hard. Especially as a, water sign friend, cancer friend, yeah. um, like you take on, it's also hard to be around people's energies and not like absorb that and feel that. Yeah. And I think working in this type of industry, like it's almost expected that mm-hmm. you absorb this. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a really hard part. And I think it's funny because, you know, a lot of my friends who work corporate jobs or they work for companies, you know, they interact with their boss, like, in a professional way, on a Zoom call, on an email. Yes, these people may blow up at work or they may be upset or something like that, but you don't see them in their home. <laughs> like you're not seeing them in their home. Or, you know, for celebrities, like, you know, most people are only interacting with celebrities by way of a character that mm-hmm. they see on TV. And I think that was really fascinating to me because it's like everyone knows this person as a character. As someone that's on a movie or a TV show or whatever, they know them as like whoever they are on the show and not in real life. And I feel that totally different. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm like, this is someone completely different. Like, this is a character that is being paid to act. Yeah. You're not seeing them in their home. You're not seeing them like in their underwear when they wake (laughs) up, you know, like those types of like things like so I think that is just like it was so fascinating to me and I think it's funny like to this day I'll see like ads come up for clients I've worked for or like you know I'll see like a a trailer for something and I'm just like wow like like (laughs) so bizarre because I don't even know that person like you know I'm like oh my god that's Julia that's Julie Roberts or you know that's like Olivia Wilde like and I'm like oh it's Olivia but it's just like everyone knows these people as like this is Olivia Wilde and it's like you were not taking care of her and Jason Sudeikis kids like imagine that Such imagine a different dynamic and all of it so yeah they, those were kind of like the hard parts but I think for some reason there's like a thrill there's like a huge thrill in it all and so you <laughs> There's ne- there were never moments where I was like, okay, I'm, I can't. Like I, I mean, there were moments where I was like, I can't, but it's like, I, wa- I want more. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, I can't, but I will. 
I can't, but I will. And I think in other industries or other jobs I've had, when I'm done, I'm just like, okay, we're done. Like, I can't, I'm done, I'm quitting, here's my two-week notice. But in in the private chef, in the nanny world, you know, if you're a personal driver or whatever, it's like, those moments are every day. Like, yeah. every day, you're like, I quit, but I'm coming here tomorrow. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But I feel like that's probably the... You know, sometimes I've thought about people who are drawn towards entrepreneurship. Like, what is it in our brains that, like, makes us kind of torture ourselves in this way? And it it sounds like whatever that, like, entrepreneurship, like, gene or yes. thought process is probably, like, aligned with that same feeling, that same thrill of, like, this is so hard. I can't, but I will, like – you almost have to have a bit of that almost like delusion to be an entrepreneur yeah. and enjoy it. But it's like, yeah. you do enjoy it. It's, it's so hard to explain. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it is definitely a form of delusion. Um, <laughs> it's like, it is a form of delusion. And there are days that I look at and I'm like, there's no way that that was like normal or like, that was like, you know, someone would like go back to that the next day or, it, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. I mean, like I, a lot of my NDAs are like over so I can like talk about it, but it's just yeah. like, <laughs> it, yeah, but it's just like funny because it's just like, okay, like I did this dinner one time and like George Lucas like threw a bowl across the table because he was oh so upset. God. And I was just like, did that happen? Like, right. and as staff, we all were like, okay, we're, we're quitting. We're done. But yeah. like we came the next day, like. <laughs> And it's, yeah, it's just, it's really crazy. I remember nannying one time, I was doing like a date night job, they call it, where like, you know, the family goes on a date and they're going to come home. And this family, like, this was a Friday night. They went out on a Friday night and they did not come home until like Sunday morning. What? (laughs) Like Like a 48 hour date? (laughs) Literally, like literally. And I remember thinking like, this is not like, who would like, who and for that? some reason, like, I didn't call the police. I didn't like seek child protection. I, like in my head, I was like, oh, like they'll be back. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting paid still. So like, it's, it's fine. Such a different life. Yeah, it's just a different life. It's just a completely different life. And yeah, just the thought of people like leaving me with their children for weekends, weeks, like by myself is crazy. Like literally insane to me. Like absolutely insane to me. Um, but that's, they do it. Like, <laughs> And I feel like that experience probably made you like – ready for anything, the ability to think yes. on your feet so quickly and be ready to yeah. handle a situation like that. Has that, yeah. has that rang true as you've gone through your journey of entrepreneurship? Yes. I think, you know, as I'm in this entrepreneur journey, I think things happen and I'm like very impressed with myself and how I'm able to just like quickly pivot yeah. to the point where it's almost like psychotic. Like, <laughs> like it literally is almost psychotic the way that I'm able to just like quickly pivot in the midst of like trauma, chaos, like a dumpster, literal, a yeah. literal dumpster fire. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's cool. We got this. We got this girl. Like, sure. like- and I feel like that's why black women are turning to entrepreneurship in droves because just the like resiliency and um, agility that entrepreneurship requires it's like we've we do that anyway so we may as well do it for ourselves exactly um and that's kind of like what why I decided to even just go into the entrepreneurial world I was like I'm already doing these long hours long days and a lot of mental work for someone else yeah so why don't I just do that for myself yeah Um, and so I did (laughs) which is amazing so did that start with being a private chef or do you consider that starting with kids table or kind of a combination? Um, I think it started with being a private chef. When I started as a private chef, I basically ran my own business. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would take private clients on, private nutrition clients, chef clients. I would do dinner parties, catering events, weddings, corporate events, corporate parties. And I worked for myself. Um, I utilized different agencies to help me like staff 
different events and things like that. But for the most part, like most private chefs, you are working for yourself unless you are working full time for a family. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to work full time for a family. I just kind of wanted to be able to dabble in different types of events, different types of food and different types of culinary styles. And so I decided to do the freelance thing. So I created an LLC and I started, you know, getting gigs and then I just created a whole business out of it. And then it kind of became easier for me to start the kids table. I think my, the private chef business and the kids table business are completely completely different, like completely, completely, completely different. Operationally, I think obviously the private chef world was a lot easier. (laughs) And I was like, oh, this is it was just me, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, having a business is like it's branding, it's marketing, it's running social media, it's running operations, it's running finance, um, eventually hiring people, firing people. So it becomes a more difficult business to run than just simply running your private chef business. Yeah. Yeah. And as you've navigated entrepreneurship, what have been some of the ways that you've had to learn like these new skills that you've had to acquire? Like you said, you've had to not only you're trained to be a chef, but then you have to learn how to be a marketer and a bookkeeper and a promoter and a, you know, client management specialist. Like how have you acquired all of these skills? Yeah. So I, it's so funny that you say that because I have always like loved acquiring skills and it's kind of funny because my friends make fun of me for this. They're like, girl, you do not need another skill. But (laughs) I just, I think, you know, growing up as a Nigerian American uh, and having immigrant parents, you know, my parents just always taught me that knowledge is everything. Yeah. And my dad would always say like, nobody can take your knowledge away. Mm -hmm. And that kind of just stuck with me. And like, as a kid, I was like, okay, the more knowledge I have, the more skills I have, like the more successful I'll be, like the more I'll be able to do, the more I'll be able to pivot. And so I think learning these new skills has actually been really fun for me. Sometimes it's not as fun. <laughs> because I think, Depending on what it is. Depending on what it is. And there's also a humbling factor. Whereas like, you know, in the chef world, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Like I know exactly what I'm doing and I know I can do it great. And now I'm like, oh, I don't really know what I'm doing. Like, like um, so I think there's definitely a humbling factor, but it has been really fun to learn all of these new aspects of running a business and just like learning about different industries and different jobs and like what other people do. And I think it just, it gets me a lot more excited about Kids Table and about the future of Kids Table is knowing all of these different parts of it to see. And so I... I'm so thankful for the internet. (laughs) I'm so so thankful for the internet. I have taken so many like workshops and like just getting on Google and Googling things, getting on Pinterest and like just typing in different topics and like looking at infographics and things like that. And then also just asking for help. I think that's something that as a black woman, we are never taught to do. And I think it's something that I is very, very new for me. And as an entrepreneur, I learned like, oh, I have to ask for help. Like you don't know it all. You have to ask. And that has been very, very helpful. Well, and you you already shared beautiful examples of that, of like turning to the chef whose place you had to take making Thanksgiving dinner, reaching out to Sophia. I'm sure like asking for help in those instances was not easy, but it sounded very worthwhile. Yes, it's very worthwhile. And so I always tell people is to use every resource you have, like every single resource you have, use it and don't be afraid to use it. It's okay to ask people questions. It's okay to DM people. It's okay to reach out to people. It doesn't matter if they have 300,000 followers, 500,000 followers, you never know, they might respond. And in my experience, for the most part, a lot of people have responded. And it's been just so great. I think you can really create this sense of community that you never thought you could. Yeah. And it's, it's so lovely and it's therapeutic to even think about because, you know, you don't, you don't have to struggle by yourself. Like (laughs) it's okay to get help. Yes, absolutely. So I would love to talk more about the kids table, which is your business that you recently launched, more recently launched. Um, I would love to talk about one, just how beautiful of a culmination the kids table is with all of your experiences. Like the kids table is truly a product of all of the things that you have done that we've talked about so far. 
really birthed to be this really cool, innovative idea. So can you tell us a bit more about what Kids Table is and yes, what Yes, Table is my literal child. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. I think it is like, I might get emotional about it, but That's I okay. think, yeah, I think, you know, I've always had an entrepreneurial mindset. I've always started little businesses and side hustles and things like that. But this, this is different. Like this is literally something that is a product of everything that I've gone through that has brought me to where I am today. It's just, it's so, so much more than a business. This is like my passion. This is what I believe in. This is what I think my purpose is. This is a product that I created for the kids that I nanny. Like this is, you know, I have this, this business now and I just think back and I like look at my phone at like photos of all these kids. And I'm like, these are the kids that literally created this. Like yeah. they, it wasn't me. Like uh-huh. this isn't me. This isn't like my grand idea. This isn't me being so innovative. This is literally the kids that I was able to connect with and share their lives with and share monumental experiences with. This is a creation of that. And yeah, it's just, it's great. But Kids Table is a New York City-based meal delivery service. um, And we are very, very focused on creating adventurous and confident eaters. Something that I saw when I was a chef and just in the food world in general, I just noticed that kids' food was not progressing. You know, I noticed that Adult food was progressing, you know, things were people were becoming more adventurous with the things that they ate, exploring different ethnic foods, you know, new restaurants were opening up, you know, we have this whole like health movement, you know, people are starting to care about the ingredients that they're eating and where these things are being sourced from. And I just saw this huge progression in the food world when it came to adults, but not kids. Yeah, I just remember as a private chef, you know, I would make these extravagant meals for parents and then they would be like, okay, my kid's going to eat McDonald's. And I'm like, what? Like, why? Like, you're over here eating caviar and creme fraiche and like crudites platters, like, you know, really nice stews and salads and these amazing like big lamb chops and steaks and things like that. Why is your kid eating McDonald's? Or like, why is your kid eating a boxed mac and cheese or something like that. And I just kind of started to research and I researched and I researched for about a year and I was like, wow, there's really not, there is a market out there for kids food to progress, but there's no one doing it. And then I saw the height in the pandemic. I saw the height of all these meal delivery services. You know, you have Saqqara Life and Splendid Spoon and HelloFresh and all of these amazing um, meal delivery services, but they don't serve as kids. And so I surveyed a bunch of parents and families and they were like, I would love to buy something that was for my kid, that was healthy, that was delicious, that was globally inspired, that was very similar to what we eat as an adult, but there's nothing out there. And I was like, I'm just going to create it. <laughs> so I created Kids Table and that's that is the gist of our story. Um right now we deliver in New York City, but we're hoping to expand outside of New York City, hoping to fundraise, maybe get some investment dollars. I don't yes, know. Yes. But we have been exploring partnerships um, and partnering with other companies that are in the space and that do know what they're doing and do have the funding to do it and seeing how we can you know, help them lead this mission into creating better food for families in general. That is incredible. Starting something like that from the ground up is no joke. I mean, a lot of entrepreneurs, myself included, it's like we start things that are very online based where it's like the product is online, the delivery of it is online. If content is your product, not saying that that's easy because I know that it's not, but that in real life, like supply chain, physical product that you're delivering for people, especially a food product where there's so much that goes into it and is just so, so incredible what you've built. I am in awe. Yeah. Thank you. It's crazy because I don't think, you know, there are days where I'm just like, oh, like this little thing. (laughs) But you know, I think it's like conversations like this that really helped me realize like this is actually something really, really big. 
and it could go really far. And again, it's just like a product of like me since I was a kid, you know, since I was a kid and I grew up eating Nigerian food and wondering why my friends have Lunchables and pizza rolls and like why I couldn't get those things. Mm -hmm. Um, And then going into the nannying world and seeing that like kids were not eating other ethnic foods and kids were still getting made fun of for eating ethnic foods. And I just really wanted to create a business where all kids were eating ethnic foods and all kids were eating diverse foods and all kids were exploring their palates so that we weren't seeing food as like, oh, that food is from India or that food is from Africa or that's from Brazil or whatever. It's like, no, this food, we live in America and America is full of so many different cultures. And we really, really need to teach kids that. And then I think also, you know, the pandemic happened and we saw this, this heightened like yearning to learn more about like race and diversity and inclusion and racism and things like that. And I thought, you know, Kids Table could be a great way to teach kids about different races and ethnicities and cultures in a more fun way than reading a book or reading a post on Instagram because they're children and they can't really do that. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, it's an obviously like a more palatable way for parents to teach their kids this. So yeah, there's just so many, so many different aspects of Kids Table when it comes to just like changing the way that we truly think about kids' food and feeding our kids and teaching them about the world that they live in. Absolutely. Which is a really beautiful thing. I think there's so many opportunities to teach kids about nutrition and culture and those things intersect more than I think we talk about. I I don't think it's, it's talked about enough how much culture and well-being and nutrition all intersect and letting kids be a part of that because kids are smart, like letting them be curious. And I think there's no reason why we should eliminate them from these conversations. That's probably why we are where we are today is because, you know, kids were not taught this, you know, in our generation, they were not taught these things. I mean, they were taught otherwise. Um, And so I think it just, it just really set home for me, like, especially when the pandemic happened and when all of these things started happening, I was like, okay, this is the business I need to create. This is it. Um, and it was kind of a sure moment and we launched in December. It's almost a year. Crazy. Amazing. But it's been really fun and really exciting. And it's really cool to see kids exploring their palettes. And, you know, I get emails and text messages from parents who are like, oh, my kid tried your dumplings and they never eat dumplings ever. Or, you know, like my kid, we traveled to Southeast Asia and our kid was able to try all these different dishes because they tried them with the kid's table. Like that is what like makes me go crazy. (laughs) Your why. That's your why. Yeah, exactly. Um, That is exactly why I created this. And then also just to help parents feed their kids. I think a lot of moms go through like a lot when they have a children, a child, and they're learning all the things. How do I bathe this thing? How do I feed them? How do I sign them up for school? How do I do all these things? And I think it just feels really nice to be able to take care of one of those things for them and just say like, hey, like we can help you feed your kid and we can assure you that it, it will be healthy. It'll be delicious and it will be inspired by the world that they live in. Absolutely. It's such a good example of creating a business that solves a problem, which is what I think yes. the most amazing businesses do. Yes. Exa- it's so funny that you say that because I, a lot of people would tell me like, you don't, you're not supposed to create a business unless you're solving a problem. And when I worked in the tech world, that was a big thing. Like these tech founders were creating products that solve problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seemed very, very self-explanatory. And so the thought of someone creating a product that didn't solve a problem to me, was like, why would they do that? But it does happen. Like mm-hmm. people create them all the time. Yeah. But yeah, it just, it feels really nice. And also just very sustainable to create a business and a product that is solving a problem um, and that can continue to solve a problem. Absolutely. And that supports parents. I mean, I think one of the biggest takeaways that I've seen from the uh, pandemic has just 
really brought to light like how unsupported parents and caregivers are. So even if it's something as simple as like a few of the meals a week for the kids are cared for, and that's one less thing that the parents or caregivers need to worry about, that's huge. Exactly. It's huge. And especially with parents working from home and things like that, I just really wanted to be helpful. And so that's, that's kids table. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That is amazing. So just thinking about like, your next dream for kids table like what would that be um oh my god so many things <laughs> um, i would love first of all i would just love to expand outside of new york i would love for the entire nation to experience kids table i think that everyone needs to experience kids table and i think i truly created this business to really change the way that we think about kids food and the way that we're feeding our kids our kids, I don't have kids, but <laughs> like the kids of the, the kids of the world. And so like, yeah, that's kind of like one of my biggest dreams right now is to really expand, expand the brand and letting other people experience it. The other thing I would love to do is publish a children's book. I think a lot, there are a lot of books in the Barnes and Nobles, <laughs> in the bookstores in the kids section and there's not a lot of books that are around teaching kids about food. Mm. Um, and so mm-hmm. I've actually written a couple and I would love to get those published. Amazing. It's like another big dream of mine. And then the other dream is to have like a, a location where kids can learn about food. Yeah. Um, I think you know, I never wanted to create a product that was like, here, buy this, buy this, and this is going to solve all your problems. I think that is bullshit. Like, products don't solve your problems. So like, um, I've always wanted to create a space where kids can actually learn how to make the food that they're eating at kids table. Or, you know, like parents can come to take workshops about feeding and learning about cooking and things like that. Um, and so I would love to open a kids table studio, um, where we hold classes and workshops and parties and kind of have like a community space. Oh my goodness. All amazing things. I'm like, we let's get our manifestation juices together and yes. make all of this happen because yes. all of those are incredible. Yes. It's so like, I mean, yeah, there's just, there's so, so many things I want to do with kids table. And it's just, it's kind of funny because I think as an entrepreneur, especially in the startup world, a lot of people get funding and then they start creating an exit plan. Like, okay, how, what's my exit plan? Am I going to sell this company? Am I going to hire a CEO to run the company? Like, what am I going to do? What is my exit plan? And I think, you know, as I'm in this world, a lot of people ask me like, okay, like, what do you see in like four or five years, you know? And I don't see an exit plan. Like, I just don't see an exit plan. Like, this is my baby. This is my business. Even if I eventually sold it, I would still create businesses on top of this mm-hmm. that would stem from the kids' table. So yeah, I just it's yeah, I don't really see an exit plan. I just want to keep creating fun things. <laughs> oh, I love that though. I think that that's a sign that you are you're doing like your soul work when you yes, um, exactly. So. Okay, you have multiple businesses, you have multiple jobs, you do a lot. So how do you take care of you in between all these amazing ventures? Oh my gosh, so (laughs) many ways. Um, So I, it's funny, I like to, I know that you had earlier, you were like, oh, how do you wind down? And I was like, it's funny because I actually wind down before and after my day. Like, Like, I'm like... I am a firm, firm believer in in which you are too, in having a morning routine. Yes. And part of that morning routine is like helping me kind of unwind a little bit and just like really like settle into the day. And so I usually like to do a morning workout. Lately, I've been really, really into Pilates or P-Volve. I like to go on a walk and breakfast is a non-negotiable for me. Like I love, love, love breakfast which a lot of people our age do not eat breakfast. And I'm like, what is wrong with y'all? Like, <laughs> like what is wrong with y'all? I love like having a breakfast, whether it's a smoothie or I make something with an egg. It's just really, really nice to have that time in the morning to just 
unwind and settle into the day. And I just feel like I'm much, much better. And then at night, I, again, love to have a nice dinner. I love to dabble in a little cannabis sometimes mm-hmm. and just kind of like sit. Yeah. You know, I think the other thing I'm really, really learning is to take a break. So I don't know if any of you follow me on Instagram, you've been seeing, I've been traveling, Yes, which is very new. It's not new for me. I've traveled before, but now I'm just like more inclined to take a trip, Um, travel. I think we're in this soft life era and (laughs) it's okay to have a soft life and a hard life, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and so, yeah, that's kind of how I really take care of myself is having my morning and my evening routine and then fitting in some travel time with friends and also just like solo time. I think there's nothing wrong with like going to dinner, taking yourself on a dinner date or a solo trip or a solo like shopping spree, you know, just having time with yourself. And it's totally okay. I think a lot of times as women, especially women of color, black women, brown women, we are like brainwashed to think that we don't deserve these things or like we have to keep working and working and working until we die. And I think now I'm starting to get into a mindset where like, you don't need to do that. <laughs> like you don't need to do that. It's okay to take a trip. It's okay yeah. to go to a dinner. It's okay to buy yourself a nice outfit. It's okay to splurge on some random stupid thing that you saw on an Instagram <laughs> ad that you don't really need, but you wanted it. Um, it's okay. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I, I like to unwind. Definitely. It, I love that you described so many experiential things, like yes. experiences that you like to have with yourself, whether that's treating yourself to a nice meal or a trip or creating an experience out of breakfast. I think those yeah. things go so far in helping us feel good and it's a reminder that we can work towards the things we want and enjoy the life we have now at the same time. It's not mutually exclusive. Exactly. And there's just, yeah, there's no, I think there's a lot of stigma or a lot of like scrutiny around the way that wellness should be and like what you should be doing to take care of yourself. And I think people need to understand that wellness is not drinking a green juice and going to work out. It could be smoking a joint in the park with your friends. Like (laughs) it could be taking a trip. Mm -hmm. It could be, going on a date with some cute guy. Like, I don't know. It's just whatever, like, soothes your soul. Like, whatever that is, you know? If you want to go to a City Girls concert, girl, go. Like, you know, whatever. Um, Like, that is wellness. I think wellness is, like, doing what keeps your soul alive and what really is going to take care of you fully, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and not just this, I'm going to drink green juice and I'm going to eat a healthy meal and I'm going to go work out. Like that's, it doesn't have to be that. It can be anything that you want. That description of wellness is like chef's kiss, no pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) That full mind, body, soul in sync. I love it. Yes. So Anisia, thank you so much for joining me today. I think like you are just such an inspiration about doing the thing and putting something out in the world and not letting obstacles or things stop you. And so I feel super inspired by this conversation. I hope our listeners feel inspired. Um, How can people keep in touch with you and support you? And for our New York City girls, how can they learn more about an order from Kids Table? Yeah, so I am on Instagram at Anisia Ngozi. It's A-N-I-C-I-A-N-G-O-Z-I. That's my personal Instagram. I get a little spicy on there. Um, My business page is Kids Table NY, and that's where you can learn more about Kids Table. Our website is kidstableny.com. And look out, we have a couple partnerships coming up. I have some partnerships coming up, and this was so fun. I'm so glad to be on the podcast. It's kind of funny being on the other end. Um, usually I'm like listening to the podcast. Um, and like lately I've been all about the financial wealth podcast. And so it's just really nice to be a part of this. Oh, well, it is amazing to have you. I feel like you are just doing, doing the damn thing as, as a balanced black girl in a way that suits you. So I am really appreciative of you being here. 
Yes. Thank you so much. And if anyone is listening and if you have questions or you are in a moment where you're trying to change careers, whether it doesn't even have to be you want to be a chef or anything and you just want advice or encouragement, feel free to DM me. Like I love, love, love having conversations with people who are looking to start a new career, start a new business, or they're looking for ways that they can learn about being an entrepreneur. I know that like my community is what I've always counted on by me reaching out to people. And so I want to be that person as well that you can reach out to. Amazing. So wonderful of you. I will make sure that your IG is linked in the show notes to make it super easy for folks to find and follow and keep in touch. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me. Right now, I know you can see why Anicia and I hit it off with that retreat a few years ago because she's just such a delight. So make sure you follow her on social and New York friends, check out Kids Table. The meals are incredible. We will have a link in our show notes so that you can place an order there for your little ones or yourself because I'm a grown adult and I would love all of those meals. Head to the show notes for discount codes and special offers from our amazing sponsors who truly make the production of the show possible. Don't forget to check the links, use our codes. It really helps us out. Now, next week, we have an episode you don't want to miss. I'm going to be announcing something super exciting, a free offering you are going to love. And we are talking to Kim Johnson, head of community at one of my favorite apps, Geneva, to talk about why entrepreneurs and creators need to focus more on building community over building an audience. We also talk about how to build an authentic community around your mission. It's the episode I wish I had to refer to years ago. So I'll see you back here next Tuesday to continue the conversation.